Okay, Tom, how's it going? Yeah, really good, thank you. How about you? How was Thanksgiving? I gave thanks. I gave thanks for 400 years ago. Some colonizers were hungry and so managed to get some food off the native population, then proceeded to murder them for the next 400 years. You know, things to be thankful for. And have you seen Killers of the Flower Moon? I I have not, actually. Is it good? It is good, obviously based on the book, but yeah, that is just a hor- horrendous story of how, yeah, the native population still, well, it was about 100 years ago, but still, yeah. it's a timely reminder this time. Well, ago. you only need to take a look at the map of the US over the years, and obviously it wasn't really constituted as a country for quite a few hundred years after Western travellers arrived, but look at the native tribes and just how how shrunk they get into small parts of the country, especially in these, these parts of the world. I mean, you're reminded every day in the names of the places of the different tribes that have been wiped out. So there you go. Good stuff. Yeah. Lovely start. Yeah. It's just, just so we don't have to talk about football, isn't it? Uh, because you yeah, know what? The international break, everyone moans about it, but you can find some, you can actually find some good football on if you're willing to be creative, not just watch England versus Malta or whatever. And... Uh, there was there were a few good games on, but the other thing it reminded me of is that we didn't have to think about United <laughs> this season. That's been quite good to have that respite, hasn't it? Yeah, I know. The only reminders, I guess, are when uh, yeah our players are playing or or not playing. When Tom and they popped up again, didn't they? Oh, did he pop up with another goal? I think he scored. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then um, yeah, like you say, there's some good games like Ukraine, Italy, absolutely right. The Ukrainians. Fair robbed. share of controversy. The day mm-hmm. after Sheferin said that Italy Italy missing out on the Euros would be a disaster, and then Ukraine miss out on a penalty in the last minute to yeah send it, uh, which would have sent Italy to the playoff. But um, yeah, there's some good games. Um, Kazakhstan get into the playoffs as well, which is pretty fun. Like, yeah, they have a player that United have been linked to yet. as well. Actually, it's, United been uh, linked to one of their centre backs. I think he looks right. like a bit of a beast. Yeah, twenty three. Yeah, right no, in, there's it? some there's some good stories there, and then we get the playoff situation. I guess it's I can't remember how many teams are in the play. Is it eight? So, yeah, I think there's something twelve. It, twelve is it? Because it's think so. part of it's to do with the Nations League, and yeah. part of it's to do with the yeah. It's really complicated. So it's it a complicated system. Yeah. Anyway, and there, at one there point it looked like and, islands. Ireland needed to lose to to Holland to give them a better chance of getting into the playoffs, but thankfully that situation didn't actually come around yet. That's how complicated and ridiculous that system is. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't need a PhD in mathematics to work out who qualifies for a tournament. No. There you go. I'm sounding all boomery now, but yeah. It is, it is <laughs> odd being uh, multiple tracks. England, of course, qualified. They'd already qualified. It's all rather easy in the end i watched some of it there was a ridiculous penalty for one of those handballs where you know if that's not a natural yeah. action like jumping and it just happens to hit you yeah anyway i just yeah example 940 something of of why var is a awful waste of time and the handball rule is ridiculous yeah as for united we we did have some football because the women's team played a couple of times since we last spoke lost to manchester city and were totally outclassed 
Mm-hmm. Uh, weren't ever really in that game. Don't know whether you saw that one, but they just couldn't get a foothold in the game at all. Yeah, it was cause obviously we started really well, but yeah, it, 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 it after last season's like the, the way that we were, like almost relentless in our charge towards the title. Like this game felt like a little bit of a step back, really, and maybe for City a step forward because. We were, yeah, we were a better side than City last season, and then this season you see that performance and result, and you think, oh, this this feels like this feels like a United from like three or four years ago, really, when we were kind of the up and coming thing, and we go to the bigger teams in the in the league and and get kind of outclassed and like soundly beaten, and like you say, we kind of just did look a a step a step off them and a level below, which was. Yeah, shame, really, obviously. Yeah, Skinner seems to be moving the players around a lot, like, and not really rotation, but it feels like he doesn't know exactly what his best team is yet. And some of the new but players, you... it's kind of mixed bag of, you know, Geyser is, like, obviously really talented, but seems a bit inconsistent. Mallard has scored a few goals. Mizawa doesn't seem to be getting in the team. You know, not not all sort of sailed in and been successful yet, and and already dropped quite a few points. So three draws, that defeat. Is there was there another defeat as well? I'm forgetting now. Also lose to Chelsea. So it's like already in a short. Basically, uh, they only played 22 games, so already feels like too many points dropped. Yeah, it does, and 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 it's completely understandable because we signed so many players, and we're trying to create a, a, a new system and a new style of play to fit all these different players in and there's a lot of talent in there like you said maybe not the most consistency but there's definitely an abundance of talent but yeah in in a 22 season league it you can't afford to have five six seven games to settle into you really need to win from the start because you know how good someone like Chelsea are and then yeah. Chelsea they they battered Paris FC last night, didn't they? And I think Sam Kerr scored two and Paris FC beat Arsenal in qualification that Chelsea are always going to be a step above even without Emma Hayes. Maybe maybe that gap will narrow now she leaves. But yeah, the other two as well, City and Arsenal are both very, very good. And like I say, you can't have six or seven games to settle into because you'll just get cast adrift. And unfortunately, that is already going to happen. Like three, three draws and... A loss is is probably almost about what what Chelsea will end end yeah. up with at the end of the season. To be honest, it won't be that far off, and uh, yeah, we'll be probably fourth or fifth. Well, probably fourth. Yeah, yeah. So United then went on to beat Liverpool in the. Is this still called the Conti Cup, the League Cup? Anyway, this yeah. group situation before they get into the knockouts, and then play Bristol City this weekend. So, which yeah. which uh, should be should be a gimme, but yeah, um, yeah All right, moving on. Then the on the ownership situation, we didn't get an announcement. By the way, happy anniversary, strategic review, one year old, a couple of days ago. Did you wow. did you celebrate? Yeah, I did actually. Yeah, with all my family around, and yeah, we had a yeah big sing song for big gym. Lovely, big, yeah, big surgery. Actually, sorry. A big, a big Sir Jim. Is that what we're going to call him? Yeah, I think big so. Big Jim Energy. The, uh, <laughs> I thought we might get an announcement of some kind, but I, I guess it's in keeping with the Glazers that uh, it's uh, is slow, delayed. 
indecisive, incompetent, pick your adjective, all of them. They, they uh, will leave as they arrived. Yeah. And they're not even leaving yet. No. So I, I, it's enough that's leaked out that uh, it seems to be just a dotting of the I's and crossing of the T's on the contract, which is going to specify who has control over what. And it's a new arrangement where, like, if if reports are true, Ratcliffe is going to be buying 25% of the club. Uh, it looks like it's going to be equally weighted between shares from the Glazer family and public shares, which is what some of the public investors wanted to make sure that they got the same price, 33 and a bit dollars per share, which is quite a large premium over the market. So that... That we all know, and I, I guess the thing they're sorting out is exactly what this new management structure looks like. So, have we actually? I don't know. We didn't actually talk about Arnold yet, did we? No, 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 no. So, Ratcliffe cleaning house. I think it's needed uh, from some of the things I was chatting about with some people. <laughs> Someone got in touch. I won't mention names because it's not fair. But to, to give me the lowdown on some of the stuff they'd heard, and I was like, "All right, let me go check this out as well." So I dropped a mail letter to a few people to ask a few questions about just how dysfunctional it is in the club at the moment. Very is the answer, and that's part of the reason Arnold will go um, and a few of the other executives too, and there'll be a bit of a cleaning house, which one would expect anyway with new management coming in. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised Murta's not gone at this point, though. I thought that was going to follow in the following days, to be honest. It, it, it can't be. I mean, he's there was a piece in The Athletic about him a couple of weeks ago, how he's sort of mm. well-liked and respected around the club. But, I mean, from the outside, doesn't seem like he's done much of a job. And there's there's, there's quite a bit of chat about him not really being very active at the club at the moment. So I, I suspect that the uh, Ineos group and to bring their own people in there. Yeah, You'd expect it, would, it, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, if the, if the, even if... Even at clubs where a guy has been succeeding, like you think of, I don't know, it's a bit different, but Birmingham where like John Eustace is actually, was actually doing a pretty good job. Like they still got rid of him because they wanted their own guy. And I, I can't see why Ineos group wouldn't look at Murta's resume and the experience that he's had at Man United and go, oh, this is, yeah, this is the man we want to keep because he's been, he's had such a great track record of, I don't know, one of his first decisions was to bring in, what's his name, Ranjik, and to follow on from Molly. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah, and then every, he'll point out loads of deficiencies of the squad and then we'll just bin him off because, yeah, it went so disastrously wrong and then uh, the scouting system's still not improved, his recruitment is still not improved. And, yeah, I mean, this, we've spoken about it millions of times before. It's not a very well-run football club. So no, it's totally chaotic, and and if you're going to take over football operations, whatever that really means, and uh, then you you bring in the people you think are going to do the great job, and and uh, Murta seems to me to be the embodiment of the Peter principle. You know, he just kept getting promoted until he got to the point where he was incompetent, mm. and there's really nothing he's done in his couple of years at the club that would suggest otherwise from the outside, despite what people on the inside might say about them liking him and him having yeah. a power base you, you don't have a power base when you're fired which is i suspect what's going to happen but yeah um yeah it was a shame we didn't get an announcement it would have been a nice bookend to what has been a pretty painful year of bickering between the fans and and gossiping outside mm -hmm. to yeah. uh, to let us know what's going on but yeah soon 
ish, I suspect. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, there was a story, I think, in The Sun, which will give you a sense of the credibility of it. This is The Sun, by the way, who told us that in October the £6 million takeover would be completed by the Qataris. Seemed to get that one right, did you, Neil? Anyway, it's saying that United could be banned from Europe because of the provisions around multi-club ownership in the UEFA rules, which were only sometimes applied. So OGC Nice are doing really well this season. I think they're second in league gun, mm. aren't they? Um, or they were top for a while, but Paris Saint-Germain are playing tonight. And so they're doing really well and on course to qualify for the Champions League. And should United also qualify for the Champions League, then... Um, in theory, only one of them would be allowed in the competition. It would be the highest-ranked club in the coefficient. That said, the Red Bull clubs have played each other, and I think it's been <laughs> widely pointed out. <laughs> exactly. And all, all they had to show was different management in order to show that there's some kind of firewall. And I, I just think it's very easy to do with if you're Ineos and a massive group of companies that run Ineos, then it's like it's not a... Or the way it's the way it's run as a company is kind of federated, so across uh, like thirty odd companies or something. So I don't think it's very hard to show different management. And, and, and it's also like it's not like Ineos would come into this and go, "Oh, we didn't think of that. Like we didn't we didn't think that would get, was ever going to crop up that case." Like shit, it, why it, didn't they want anyone pointing this out? Thank you, the Sun, for doing this hard hitting like investigative <laughs> journalism. Exactly. It's like an article you'd see on like GiveMeSport.com or HITC or whatever, like like a an art, an article which is just out there for clicks. But they literally put it on their back page, which is like, yeah. like it just show, I mean, it just shows like the desperate need for attention and clicks that that newspaper still clearly. I mean, obviously, United has, but it's just United sell papers, drive yeah. clicks. That's it's number one all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not too worried about that. I think if the Red Bull clubs can show that they are separate functions, then United could. Although there was a kind of settlement, wasn't there? Or a, a kind well, of judgment. Leipzig are there, called Rotten Bullen, aren't they? I think. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh no! Is it Racing Bull or something? Like that? I don't know. It's, yeah, it's something the, like that. Yeah. Literally, literally got a different name in in Europe. It's like Red Bull and Toro Rosso. Completely different. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which is an absolute disgrace uh, in the F1, Yeah, I think they will manage to separate these things and uh, yeah, it would be all right. Although Aston Villa and Brighton had to make some arrangements, didn't they? So Tony Bloom had to sell part of his controlling interest in Union St. Gawas. So mm. you stick it in a family foundation or something, don't you? And it's, yeah, I definitely don't control this. Yeah, exactly. Tony Bloom Foundation Inc. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, I, yeah, I, I'm sure United will sort that one out. The, the biggest challenge to that whole narrative, of course, is that United are fucking miles off actually qualifying for the Champions League. Yeah. Although, actually, it's probably only six points, isn't it? But feels like miles off. And certainly if the current form continues all season, we would not qualify anyway. So that would solve that problem. Yeah, that's true. On the football side of things, Ten Hag gave his press conference today, a little bit of news on the injury front, a little bit of discussion about like who's available and what. And uh, the good news is we kind of suspected because he'd been back in training for a while. So Luke Shaw is back. Mm. Yeah, and, and I think Ten Hag said something like, 
Something along the lines of, yeah, it's nice to have a proper left back in the back in the squad or something like that. It's like, oh, that's a bit harsh on Reggie on, but also <laughs> kind of fair enough seeing considering what we've seen from him. But yeah, like I know a lot of people on Twitter are thinking that like the return of Luke Shaw is like the return of Jesus Christ or something, like and it's gonna solve all our ills and solve societies for soul society's ills and, and Manchester United's ills. But yeah, it'd be great to see him back, but yeah, we also know that Luke Shaw is a, a madly inconsistent being when he hasn't got much competition beside him, which he won't do. Now he's seen that basically no one else can play left back and the, even the left back is getting told that he's not really a left back. <laughs> Any good. By, the, by yeah. the manager. And Amrabat's playing there at times. It's like, I mean, I hope him we'll get to see the best Luke Shaw, but... Yeah, it's going to yeah. take time. He's been out for a while as well, hasn't he? So it's going to take a bit and of time to get back up to speed. And he does take a while to get to back speed. into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, like, great news that he's coming back, but mm, how long is it going to take for him to get up back to speed? Hopefully not too long. We'll see. I'd be really shocked if they throw him straight in. I mean, it's, it's a hard role. Like, one of the hardest in terms of, like, the miles you do, fullbacks, mm. uh, throw him straight in. The chance he could play... Left centre back, of course, which Ten Hag likes. If he really wants a left footer there, and decides that, you know, he's Johnny Evans isn't his man, although he appears to be in the pecking order ahead, ahead of Rafa Varane in the pecking order at the moment. So. And he and, and Shaw has been ace there, to be fair. Like when he has played, but yeah. I guess when we've got not got a left back, that's not going to happen too quickly. The ideal scenario will be if we're four 0 up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if, but if we're falling up and then we can bring Luke Shaw on, yeah, with like 30 minutes to go and just ease him back into it, yeah. that's just the idea, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the amount of non-contact muscle injuries United are getting and the chat about it's... Uh, and and it, it got into the actual... Because um, obviously um, a few people said it in the kind of United fan media circles that... Uh, there's some unhappiness with how intense training has been, and I think we all looked at preseason and thought it was pretty odd in terms of like the schedule and the minutes players got. But then there were some newspaper reports. Obviously, a few player agents have been talking to journalists about uh, the intensity of training and how some of the players felt after preseason that they were more tired than they'd left the previous season. So, and and none of this would surprise me if it turns out to be true because it's an unusually high number of it's not like these are all like contact injuries they're mostly not they're muscle and hamstring injuries like so many of them and in fact we're not sure but reports today that Mason Mount has picked up a calf strain and could be out for a month Uh, again and it feels like there's a pattern here yeah Uh, but on the other side it's it's not great to see these leaks like going out to the Guardian of like players unhappy and stuff it's it's just it really kind of summarises and encapsulates what this United team or or the kind of the cliche around the United team of their their, like their mentality is weak their cry babies that type of thing like and 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 it happened all the time didn't it it happens all the time when a manager is close to going at United like all the leagues come flying out and it's yeah players are distressed and there's a fracture in the squad and and these types of stories and 
and where whereas it might be true in this case i hate to see that kind of you know going out to the press and and snitching on the manager yeah. kind of thing yeah yeah it's it, there's something not quite right if if the player's doing that but he might also say like either some of them are unhappy or then and there's always players unhappy if they're not in the team of course and some of them can be more difficult and maybe they don't all get on as well as they could do. That's a part of the reason why uh, Ten Hag didn't he? He held a he had that barbecue at his house to try and get all the players together and try and build some kind of unit. Yeah, I don't know. There was a magical story before we get onto the weekend game. Harry Maguire, if you remember, he, he, he responded to it. <laughs> so good. A, a Ghanaian MP who went viral a few months ago by making fun of Harry Maguire. And stood up in Parliament this week and apologised and said that Harry Maguire turned it around. And like Harry Maguire, the Ghanaian economy could be turned around too. <laughs> and, like, and, and Harry was like, apology accepted, see you at Old Trafford. Uh, very nice. <laughs> it's so good. It's genius. And I love the way in that clip as well, you can just see like a couple of guys in the background just laughing like... <laughs> This guy's clearly a car that, and yeah, get him, yeah, get him to Old Trafford and get maybe, yeah, maybe. Well, I don't know. I was thinking maybe he could replace maybe Mertens. Good luck. Oh, he could, could bring him along. I think he couldn't do much worse as director of football. At this football club, <laughs> well, but, you know, he has a, he has a vision. He has yeah. something exactly. Yeah, I I forget. Uh, I was just going to look up his name. I forget now. Isaac um, something. I say Isaac something. Yeah. Uh, it's um, it's very good. Anyway, I enjoyed that. Harry, Harry, he did all right for England. He there was one classic Harry moment where he gave the ball away, and then got back too slowly and wiped out his man, and somehow got away with not giving away a penalty. I was like, oh, that's that's the Harry we know and love, not the composed Harry we've seen over the last couple of months. But, uh, he's he's definitely like he's back to being first choice, isn't he? Yeah, and which is such a turnaround, surprise to everyone, I think, probably including Harry. Yeah, I watched the second game because I play football on on Monday night, and I watched the second half in in the pub of the England game. I thought it was really quite interesting, like the amount of people that I heard in the pub just not actually wanting England to win. Like it was like, and and it isn't like Derby, like a very kind of working class area, like how unpatriotic and how anti-Southgate a lot of England fans were in that pub, literally watching the game, like doing, not doing it, not like literally avoiding it, but just kind of, there's a real anti-Southgate, anti-England mentality currently, I think right now in, in, in England. And it's very, it's very yeah. interesting because in my mind, I think like, it's like, yeah, maybe he's a bit negative with some of the football he plays, but like, like I feel like England are, going into that next season's comp- next tour- uh, summer's competition is maybe second favourites. I really ju- really do think they could end up winning it. But, yeah, I, I know I'm not kind of saying the whole of the country is like this, but it was it was very interesting just to see from that encapsulation in that small survey of people that how anti-England a lot of them are. But, I mean... yeah. It's it's a, it's a qualifier, and the Malta game on on Friday was just horrendous as well. I don't know if you saw that or any of that, but at the first half, England didn't even have a shot. Um, yeah, against 
a team who were just. I, f- I feel awful. like I turned it off after the first half sure, and yeah. uh, didn't see the rest of it. But I think there's something about Southgate's just not very inspiring. I think that's the like the football's pretty insipid. I mean, if you look to where England were when he became England manager eight years ago, or whatever it was, it's got, yeah. a while ago now. Obviously, at that pretty much the lowest ebb in sort of modern living memory um, and made a final, made a semi-final, quarter-final, sort of you know, falling narrowly to teams that were better than them each time. But it's just, so that's a progress, but it's just that none of the football's very inspiring. And then you look at the, the squad and you see all these attacking players and even the quality of player who's not even in the squad, like Raheem Sterling having a good season, can't get in the team. Can't get in the squad anymore. It's clearly offended Southgate. He really does take personal offence to this kind of stuff, yeah. doesn't he? But and you're like, you look at that and you go, "Well, they should really cr- be able to craft that into a really attacking side." And I know that's not really how international football is. It's slower and less dynamic in some way, but it feels like it should be able to produce more than the sum of its parts. Yeah, I think also is yeah. hampered by the fact that. Yeah, like you say, international football is slower and it's nowhere near as exciting as what people will watch on a on a weekly basis with the Premier League, which is by far the best league in the world these days. And it's so good, it's so exciting, it's so fast. And you're looking at teams like City and Liverpool with Klopp and Guardiola, two of the best coaches in the world, and you're seeing how a lot of English players are involved in those teams and the way that they play football. And people are watching, yeah, this drab, England football every three or four well every month or so and they're like why can't these guys do exactly what they're doing on a Saturday every Saturday every Saturday every Saturday and Sunday for for the national team and I yeah I kind of do get that but I still think I still yeah find it a little bit perplexing like how anti-England a lot of people have become and it, it started at the yeah. World Cup really like a lot of people were really down on it on them before it started and I wonder if it would change before uh, the next summer but I think yeah Southgate's this is a real tangent but um, yeah I think Southgate's probably <laughs> end, end of a cycle though I'm sure he'll go after the yeah, Euros it seems like it so yeah and and who knows who'll be after that Lee Carsley I think was one of the favourites probably won't be Sean Dyche will it who's got a job to do at Everton oh, sorry for the leftwards segue there but <laughs> he Everton now on four points after their 10-point deduction. I saw, I saw a lot of bleating from Everton fans, and even Andy Burnham, mayor of Manchester, but an Everton fan, complaining about it. And I just... Maybe it's just me. I was like, it amounts to, what, three wins and a draw is the penalty for, like, the best part of half a billion pounds of losses. Not just spent, of losses over the last five years. Uh, they claimed more losses from COVID on matchday income than United. How's that possible? They make almost no money out of Goodison <laughs> Park. It, it, like it, None of it made sense at the time. Everyone was looking, even the Premier League didn't believe them because they were basically on this system where they had to report into the Premier League constantly, not just give their three-year cycle of accounting. They had to constantly report to the Premier League because the Premier League didn't believe that they were going to meet their... FFP obligation or profit and sustainability obligation. So they were like being watched <laughs> and then they made up all this shit. They even claimed, Everton, that 
they had expenses from the stadium, but the loan was a working capital loan. It was not capital that was going to be capitalized into this like infrastructure. And like the most basic year one accountant could go, no, no, that's not right. And of course, you know, this a, a judge and a football finance expert, and I can't remember who the third person was on the panel, were like, no, that's not right. <laughs> of course it wasn't right. Anyway, sorry, going off on a rant about Everton, but it's just basically cheating and they got caught and they got punished. End of story. But, but I think... I think this is bad news in the very, very short term for United because I think this means that on the pitch and in the stadium on Sunday, it's going to be raucous. It's going to be poisonous. I mean, it's the best way to galvanise a football team is to say us against the world. And that's exactly the sort of mentality that Sean Dyche is going to play on now and and try and stoke within that, that squad and... It's going to be, yeah, you're going to get loads of protests from the Everton fans. And I mean, at the best of times, every football club, every football fan thinks that their club is being persecuted unfairly. And and you just have to go on Twitter and look at a game after a bad VAR decision. And you say, oh, the, oh yeah, all the, all the decisions are always against us kind of thing. But then for this type of thing to happen, and then obviously that with the City having 100 um, discrepancies against their name and and Everton having one and you, you've heard all the arguments obviously you've seen yeah. them all on Twitter you've heard read them all in the newspaper it's going to create this absolutely crazy atmosphere on Saturday uh, on Sunday which is going to be yeah it's, it's you mean we talk about like new manager bounces this is like a a points deduction bounce which is is going to really <laughs> give them a galvanize it's going to really galvanize them it's going to be yeah. least, I mean you see it in like so many different levels of football when a team actually gets like docked loads of points or docked points, they end up playing so much better than they ever did before. Like then Derby, did they get dud up to twenty five points? And then at one point, they actually looked like yeah, they were going to yeah. stay up with Rooney. And then Luton got deducted thirty one year and did pretty all right. And Bournemouth survived once getting deducted points and stuff. And I think Everton will end up surviving. And I think on Sunday. Yeah, it's, it's going to be... I mean, Goodison is never an easy place for United to go because the fans always love playing against United. They're always... It's always poisonous and they're always on our backs. But yeah, Sunday's going to be even worse than before because of that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you're right. I think I think it does seem to be galvanising the Everton fans. They they do feel persecuted. I, I think most of the arguments are absolutely bogus, but... I guess it's not paranoia if they really are out to get you. And in this case, the Premier League were very much out to get Everton. But in my view, rightly so. And I think it's actually quite a light punishment for the completely egregious nature of the cheating, which is what it is. But yes, you know, it may well translate into into new stimulus on the pitch. And, and of course, these players now... Although I guess in the modern age, they, they probably think they could get a transfer elsewhere if they go down. They would hope that they would not want that. And this will, or at least Everton fans would hope that they would not want that, these players. And, and Daesh could use it as an us-against-them motivating tool. And I think already we'd seen this season that they're better than the bottom three. Yeah, they It's pretty rubbish, to be honest. Yeah. Luton, Sheffield United and the other one, whose name I'm forgetting right now, who are right at the bottom. It's one at Bournemouth. And, uh, Burnley. At, Burnley. Burnley. Yeah, Bournemouth Burnley. are also And, down and Bournemouth are pretty crap yeah. too, yeah. Yeah, right. So there's there's plenty of teams that are worse than Everton, and and uh, they're probably ten points better than someone. Yeah. So yes, they'll they'll probably survive. 
there's there was a, like there was a lot of talk about comparing Everton to City. And there was a big piece in the Times that was basically saying, "Hey, it's one rule for the little clubs like Everton, and one rule for the bigger clubs." I just see it's exponentially more difficult with City, who have lawyered up from the beginning and are fighting everything, including handing over any evidence. Whereas Everton were, as their statement said, open and transparent. Yeah, they did give stuff to the Premier League because the Premier League said, we don't believe you. Show us the homework. And I was just like, yeah. Your Honour, we were open and transparent while we committed the robbery. It's not really an excuse. But with City, it's super complicated because it's not just, well, we breached one three-year cycle in terms of our spending. It's... They did it for a decade and then they lied about it and then they used third parties to cover up some of it and then they lied about that and then they wouldn't hand over the evidence even though they said they had. Like This is why there are 155 like charges, basically. It's just incredibly complex. Yeah, and also, uh, like you say, City have got the best lawyers in the world who are working on this, whereas Everton gave up the ghost and, well, probably can't even afford a lawyer, to be honest, like... So, <laughs> yeah, so the well, Premier League are going yeah. against, yeah, these absolute hot shots in this case as well. So it's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's not as open, sure, or easy as, or as, as simple as, yeah, the the big guy versus the little guy kind of case that the Times are obviously putting forward, or a lot of people have put forward. Yeah, I, I think that's too simplistic. Aren't City using Lord Panic, who was the government's lawyer on their <laughs> Rwanda scheme? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because I think maybe maybe the bloody... make it nice and rounded. When City get punished, we should just deport them all to Rwanda. There you well, go. That's solved. Well, the City had that stupid uh, banner, didn't they? Where they it said "Panic on the Streets of London." Yeah, it's like <laughs> the only uh, banner I've ever seen for a football lawyer, and kind of sums up their tragedy, tragic fan base. No offense to any City fans listening. Really, really is. I th- I think they should work off ten points per charge, and they can work it off. In any way they like. They could. In fact, someone suggested when I suggested this on Twitter that they should start with 1,550 points deducted and they can just keep working from there. <laughs> and so, like at their current rate, it would probably take them like 15 years. So I don't know what 15 relegations looks like somewhere in the Sunday leagues. They were playing, playing against us seems... at my level, actually. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Finally. And just imagine you you coaching your team, tactical genius yeah. against We play Mourinho. Schooling we him. We play Mourinho ball, so yeah. It's, the, it's yeah, the type nice, of football nice. that beats that kind of system. Well, maybe did about 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it has on occasion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, on, I, I mean, on the, on the pitch on sa- Sunday. Sunday, isn't it? Yes. Uh, I. It'd be interesting to see what Ted Nag does here. Like, who... Like what? Because it's not exactly. I know United are in theory top of the form table, four wins out of five, but that hasn't been a good performance in any of that. And so, does Ten Hag stick with the formula, just hoping it's going to fix magically fix itself? So, McTominay plus Fernandez plus one other in central midfield. Amrabat, is it going to be? I mean, because Ericsson and Mount are both injured. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, Ericsson in, in, is injured, isn't he? Yeah. Actually, that's the other one. Well, Hoyland may injured, or may not I be think, fit. Yeah, he's still out. Yeah. So it looks like, I guess we get Martial up front or Rashford with Garnacho. We'll see. None of them are in form. Anthony, I, I guess he'll play there. I mean, he was dropped for the previous game, but 
if it if it is going to be a bit raucous and Everton going to be in our faces, Anthony's actually the kind of warrior you want in there. Sometimes he's, you know, as we've said, good defensively, can start fighting in an empty room, all the kind of stuff you'd want in that kind of atmosphere. Yeah, he's up for the battle. He's brave, isn't he? Sometimes that might boil over, and I feel like that might happen on Sunday, especially if he's playing really badly and he's also in bad form. I feel like Batiste's got the potential to boil over. And, but yeah, like you say, he's, he's the kind of perfect fit for this type of game. But you look at the, like you say, the attacking options. How I don't know when United have ever had, I mean, even during our bad days, our attacking options, we had a wealth of attacking options. But now, yeah, you're looking around at, um, if it's Martial, Rashford, Anthony, front three, that is not that inspiring considering the form that Can't Rashford's buy in. A goal that long, and then you obviously they? yeah, Garnacho maybe, but Garnacho is not in any form either. So it's it's all on Bruno Fernandez creating chances again, isn't it? Yeah, Garnacho wasn't in the Argentina squad for uh, their recent games. They beat Brazil in Brazil. I don't think Anthony was in that squad either, just looking down the list. So Joe Linton managed to get himself sent off, which was quite funny. Yeah. That game was crazy as well because it was basically just awful. It was an awful, awful game after, obviously, the the melee and the crowd before the game as well. It was just, it was just basically people crunching each other for 90 minutes and then and Joel Linton <laughs> didn't really do that much and then they're getting sent off. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 South American qualifiers are absolutely nuts because yeah. they basically they all play each other. It's kind of pointless now because they have so many... <laughs> Seven qualifiers. I think it's six yeah, plus six one, plus isn't one, it, yeah. from... So, like, almost everyone's going to qualify. So these these games shouldn't mean anything, but they clearly do because everyone kicks the shit out of each other all of the time, and it's really tough because even even the poorer quality teams, like some of them, play at altitude. Yeah, you know, going playing La Paz at ten thousand feet. <laughs> I don't I don't know if any listeners have managed. Like I first time I ever went to Mexico City, which is at eight and a half thousand feet. I went out for a run. And like I, I, I don't know. I did five k, and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I was like, "What is going on?" My body was absolutely no. <laughs> You're not there. It's really hard. So, and you can't just immediately adjust. Like it. you say, that's what's so great about that qualification, though, because I don't think Boli- Bolivia qualified for the uh, World Cup like once or something in their whole history. Yeah. But yeah, even the worst team in the group, pretty much every single time. The away trip there is an absolute nightmare, and then you've even got like Venezuela these yeah. days who are quite decent, and and like you say, yeah. every game's a derby, every game's feisty, so it is the best qualification group in in world football. Despite like you say, it's, it's seven, well six plus one this year. It's always, I mean, the timings aren't always great for Europeans, but they're always the best to watch, and especially when you've got England versus Malta to compare it to European qualifiers can yeah. be really trap at times. I one of the big regrets I never got to see one of the Buenos Aires derbies. Been I've been there a few times, and the last one we actually we had tickets for it. And I, was it a Copper semi final, Libertadores semi final, where Boca and River fans had a riot in the yeah. um, in the streets the day before? I remember yeah. that happening for the final as well. I think it was that that was the day of the game, wasn't it? When I think Bocca's right, and then they cancelled it and shifted Madrid, it to Madrid yeah. anyway. We didn't, we didn't, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it was a shame. And I was supposed to go to Tigres versus Millonarios in 
in Bogota as well. And I got told on by our local person to HR and they were like, no way, are you doing that, Ted? I was like, what? I'll, I'm just going to, I'll blend in the ultras, no problem. Oh, man. That is, that is yeah. looks like the best continent in the world to watch football. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. One day I'll, I'll make some games there, but yeah. Yes. Yeah, we ran off track. We were sort of talking about... <laughs> I can't remember where. Euros, England, qualification, United's midfield. No Casemiro, obviously, out for a while now. And maybe out permanently, because a lot of talk in the papers at the moment of him and and Rafa Varane, although Ten Hag denied it in today's presser, that either or both of them might be off in the the winter. And, And to be honest, if... Like, even with Varane now not, like, in favour, he's not exactly been great this season... So would you would you take cash if you were offered it? I, I would, yeah. And I don't think it's right to believe anything that Ten Hag says about, oh, yeah, this guy's yeah going to be part of our plans. Because we obviously saw over an hour there where he was, yeah, yeah, we're not going to get rid of him, and obviously. But I, I definitely would for both of them. Like, Ferran's at his best, he's great. A Rolls-Royce defender. And he, he's perfect alongside Martinez, but... As we knew before we signed him, he's made of glass. And it was always going to be one of those things that, yeah, if we get the best out of Iran, he's fantastic. But how often are we going to get the best out of him? And you yeah. can't, I, I don't see the point of having a player like that in, in the team, uh, I just, in the squad. I just don't see the point because you're never going to rely on him. He's never going to get into rhythm. You can't be trusted to form a partnership. And, and especially at centre-back, you really need those partnerships. It makes... It makes the whole team better. It makes the centre back, your other centre back, better. It makes your goalkeeper better. And when you swap in and chop in and swap in, like we've been doing for basically the whole time since Ferdinand and Vidic, we need to find two centre backs who can stay fit. And Varane isn't that, despite how good he can be. So I'd, I'd get rid of him. Casemiro as well is a no-brainer for me. Like we've, he's not getting any better, and he's been exposed this season. So I mean, if Saudi come calling for yeah. both of them, I would. T- buy that hands off right now but yeah i'd be more tempted with casemiro than Ferran, just because it's useful to have someone of Ferran's quality around and uh, until they can replace him of course there's unsurprisingly a lot of talk about jean-claire todibo who is at uh, nice Mm -hmm. and i I think i'm right in saying that and could now because of the vote in the premier league which united voted against by the way could could now join us on on loan maybe i'm not sure the Nice fans would be too happy about that. Would be a turn up. I mean, we were linked to Kim, weren't we, in the summer? And it, at one point, it looked like that yeah. was going to definitely happen. And, and that would have been absolutely beautiful. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, not to be. Yeah, they'll definitely have to think about that. Yeah, Casemiro looks like, I mean, as I think we suspect, he just looks like a financial burden at this point. Huge wages, huge fee. Like, it would, any money would be very good for FFP purposes there, uh, assuming we're not going to get him back to his best. And I don't think we will, really. He just doesn't look the same player he wants. No, and I think also, I think it typifies the the haphazard nature the nature of United's squad building as well, because we we, we said it when we when he signed, like it, it didn't, it, he, we, we knew he was, he had loads of quality and we knew it would be good. But when you're looking at a kind of a Ten Hag, type of player and the, the, the system that Ten Hag what we thought Ten Hag was going to implement at United the type of Ajax type of football 
like Casemiro was never going to really fit into that because he's not a controller. He's a he's a ball winner and he's a great ball winner. Is is best and he was kind of transformational in in his mentality and his ability when he first came in. But also for like for building a squad and I don't know what we've spoken many times with that. We don't know what United's best system is or what United's system is. But yeah. if we want to build a team where we do control the football, like having a player like Casemiro isn't the right player. So if this incompetency that United have had with signing Casemiro can be bailed out by Saudi Arabian money, I would definitely, like I say, I'd buy the handoff and then buy a player who maybe does fit into a system which Tamil Hell wants to build. But I mean, I don't know if Tamil Hell will be around for too much longer anyway for whatever rebuild is going to take place. Well, yes, I mean, there's definitely a risk to him with new sort of management coming in, for sure. Like, he could be part of the clearing of house. I, I, I'm minded to give him more uh, more benefit of the doubt, just given, like, who could... Like, we haven't seen anyone really be successful in the yeah. chaos of the Glazer ownership, except for Fergie. So, bits, bits of Mourinho, obviously, the cup win under Van Gaal. Oli, at times, looked like... He was turning it around, but it just seems to have a really hard system to work in with people above him who aren't aren't helping, I don't think. I'm not sure what Murtagh's football department actually does. If you look at the track record in the transfer market and in terms of contracts, it doesn't look good, does it? So I'm kind of minded to give him some benefit of the doubt. I'm just, I'm really surprised with Ten Hag just how quickly he just gave up on all the things that were supposed to be about Ten mm. Hag ball. And just with all the injuries, just became really like super, super pragmatic, which we all always knew he had this kind of element to him. But like seeing a, a United midfield of McTominay, Casemiro, and Bruno like giving the ball away every three seconds, it just it feels like the total opposite of what we assumed we we would get with Ten Hag. And I was just a little surprised he he went yeah. for that. And yeah, we'll we'll see this weekend. It, it, but it it'd be, it it would be a real. Obviously, we're going to have McTominay in the side because there aren't any other midfielders, basically. Um, but it's just very hard with McTominay and Bruno, and then one other to to create the team that he wants. Yeah, and you just think about like that midfield potentially being McTominay, Amrabat, Bruno, say Anthony's playing as well, and Martial and Rashford. The lack of control that you can just think of. When when you think about that team, goals. and you just think about how end to end this match is going to be, and it's just going to be one on individual brilliance, I think. Well, for both for either team, it's, it's, it feels like such a flip of the coin. Who wins? We've got the we've got more individual talent, yeah, for sure. They've obviously got the home home crowd and that poisonous home crowd, which I think it's going to be. So I feel like that's it's just it is just going to be like a flip of a coin who wins this game, which is ridiculous, really. But that comes from a lack of control and a lack of style, and and yeah, it's, it's become it comes from us relying too much on individual brilliance, which we have done, I think, for maybe the past eighteen months, to be honest. Yeah, uh, and we could do with some of that from Bruno, who's he really needs some goals. Yeah. I think. Or Rashford, yeah, obviously. obviously, got one in the the last game. Or Rashford, definitely. Yeah, he really needs it. Bruno, by the way, who, who I, I knew this, of course, but we all say his name completely wrong. The Premier League put a little clip out of some players saying their their own names, and he's more like he's it's Brun. It was more. It sounds more like oh, Brun wow. than Bruno. Miguel Fernandez. Fernandez. Yeah, 
And uh, clearly, I'm not getting that right either. But yeah, we, we totally butchered. Yeah, I knew the name. Portuguese was Fernandes. Yeah. I like Fred's Fred's Brazilian pronunciation or Portuguese pronunciation is Fredji. Fredji. Because you, when you hear Tim Vickery like, yeah. pronounce stuff, then you're like, oh wow. But yeah, yeah I'm not sure. But if I keep if I kept, if I said Fredji every time, everyone would be like, what what are you on about? I don't even know who you're talking about. Well, it, it's the right balance between not uh, not insulting someone uh, and turning a bit yeah, yeah. So which which is because uh, we probably should say their names yeah. correctly, shouldn't we? Um, yeah. There's, who's the uh, Ray uh, Derek Ray? Yes. Who does a lot of the ESPN? He always like he makes a point of doing it, but he it kind of he pulls it off because he's just always his, his done that. German really is effort. amazing. The way that he pronounced like Leipzig and 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 and, and yeah. he does it for Hungarian players as well. Like he's popped into my DMs a few times asking like how do you pronounce like Soboslai or right. Sholai. Yeah, some players he played for Hungary and then you hear him on the on the TV like wow. Like you've done you've really gone to town on this and like yeah, that it, it is super impressive when they do that. And I think the German coverage, to be honest, in general, is usually done by I don't know if necessarily German speakers, but they do really like, like you say, go to town on on getting it right, which is is, is, is I guess a good thing. I just don't know if I could cut off calling Bruno Fernandes every time. I don't know if I've got the dexterity in my voice. Yeah, Bruno, it is then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, touch words, something from him this weekend. We could really, really, really do with it. I, I look, you. Th- Four games out of five, yes, great. But we're just like one bad result away from a crisis every <laughs> <Yeah>. week. Despite <laughs> being top of the form and, table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, currently sixth, and that's five points behind Tottenham in fourth. So yeah, given given the disastrous nature of much of this season, it's not bad. It's really not bad. And maybe the wheels are coming off Ange Ball yeah, a little bit. because uh, he, was, he was the next thing. So. He was the next pep, wasn't he, at one point, and absolutely loved by everyone. And I mean, in this country, we've got a great tendency to build someone up and then smash them down. And I wonder if that will happen with Ange soon. Maybe not. Maybe they'll recover after this international break. But it is quite funny that we're we're so close behind them, and also that we're ahead of Eddie Howe's, or the beloved Eddie Howe's Newcastle as well. The beloved Eddie Howe. God, he is by certain of the press. Sick. Can't do anything wrong. Yeah, he he is yes, and they give they give his club's owners a free mm-hmm. pass. I mean, more stuff coming up. Out by the way, Athletic and Adam Crafton doing a lot of great reporting on this. So uh, obviously, we knew the government got involved because he's reported it before. But the oh. detail on them getting involved as well, yeah, which is exactly the point. Exactly the point of buying a club like this. It's not just reputation washing. It was the ability to have leverage over foreign governments um, and buy up institutions and exactly what they bought. I think also to like boxing at the moment. Like, yeah. I don't know how much of a boxing fan you are or how much of a boxing fan people are who listen to this, but like the way that the boxing world absolutely, like, everyone in boxing is now fawning over Saudis because they've been able to to match some of the best together, like Usyk and, and, and Fury. And then they've created this card, which is on December 23rd, which is just full of top talent. And like, 
oh my god hearing eddie hearn and well i mean eddie hearn's morally bankrupt anyway isn't he and and Frank Warren and, and all the punditry just talking about, oh, yeah, it's so great that Saudi have finally been able to bring these promoters together and stuff. I'm like, there's, there's not even any, at least in football, you get critical analysis. Like, there's not even any critical analysis in boxing. And it's like one of the biggest sports in the country. And it's just, oh, God, it's horrible. It's, it's Yeah, it's just really, really horrible to watch. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and there should be that critical analysis. What is that mm-hmm. money buying? And and who's it coming from, and why do they why do they want to do this? And um, I think it was uh, was it Sporting Business Mag, or it was, or maybe one of the one of the human rights orgs had mapped out all of Saudi's sporting interests, and it's like kind of three hundred different things, like teams, leagues, sports, TV rights, competitions, one offs, yeah, everything. It's it's a a national strategy to buy influence. And power uh, from a country that is sending people to prison for decades for tweeting criticism. Decades. Constantly. And has run up, I can't remember, it's a couple of hundred executions this year. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Anyway, I could go off on a rant about that. I know I'm always mindful because people keep me honest about this one to not other. But I don't know. There's a hell of a lot of detail about how repressive this regime is. And that is not to say that the UK or the US where I live are not repressive in their different ways either. But as of yet, Rishi Sunak hasn't hasn't struck on buying a football club in order to, to buy his way to electoral victory. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, work. maybe you could buy one in Rwanda to make them happy about the immigrants that they're going to receive. God, it's just... The whole thing is so... Yeah, humans as cattle, right? Just to be shifted around. I'm I'm very glad that uh, Rishi Sunak has not decided to buy Manchester United. I would not trust him to run the club any more than I'd trust the Glazers. In- instead, we get this is this is where we're at in football now, where we're delighted that a Tory voting Brexiteer non-dom with uh, quite a lot of dubious links to human rights abusing petrochemical states is is to be a part owner of United, and that's uh, delightful because. Uh, it's slightly better than state ownership and probably more competent than the Glazers. <laughs> and then we've also stuff. got Nigel Farage basically whitewashing his reputation on national TV. I'm, I'm a celebrity over here and I've already seen lots of people saying, oh, he's actually not that bad. He's actually quite a nice guy. So many eyes rolling. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same strategy in it a is, sense, yeah. isn't it, as, as buying football clubs. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, you think uh, that yeah. when, the Tory, when the Tories are finally ousted, I feel like this is, Farage is setting himself up for a, to become the, the, the knight in shining armour to be the person to take back power for the, for the Conservative right. But, hey, that's a big tangent. It is, yeah. Has Farage ever professed love for football and I, I noticed in in the king's speech the transcript and the notes that went along with it so when they announced the football regulator they they described rishi sunak as being a big fan of football didn't say which team he supported which is like always a key signal that he's not really a fan of football <laughs> reminds yeah. me of that time where david cameron forgot which team he supported when he said uh I've always been a, such a big fan of West Ham when he was actually a fan of Aston Villa. 
I mean, they look yeah. kind of the same, don't they? To be fair, I used to get confused. them confused yeah. when I was about three or four years old, so I kind of get it. Maybe he dressed his uh, pigs up in West <laughs> Hampshire. as well, isn't he? Back. Yes, back with a bag. Unbelievable. It's, yeah. It'd be like Ollie returning as assistant manager <laughs> or something. Or, or Louis Van Hal returning as assistant manager. Oh, Wouldn't that man. be great? You see, I'm, I'm having nostalgia for Louis. Even though the football is crap, I'm now thinking I miss so the character. It was... I had that great half against Leicester yeah. once. Once. Second half. Yeah. Ended up losing 5-3, but... And then the yeah. wheels fell off the bus, yeah. All right. Well, good luck, United. Let's if we can manage to calm down Goodison Park. It'd be nice, actually. Early goal, like, let them turn yeah. on themselves. Dice ball not set up for coming from behind. Yeah. That's what true. we need. First goal, very important. All right. Thanks a lot, Tom. Thank you. Enjoy your weekend.